We have been duped by feminism, sexual liberation, and antidepressants. We have been told that we are powerful and free now as women, but we feel tired, wired, and bitter. We're mostly eating right, exercising, and meditating, wrangling to-do lists, and arranging playdates, and yet there's a haunting hollowness beneath the huge complaints. What if I told you that there is a huge storehouse, a reservoir of energy inside of you that has not been tapped, that you could feel light and pulsing, excited and alive in ways that a wellness lifestyle cannot deliver, that you could trust yourself, that the world could feel safe and that unexpected and expected delights could start to illuminate your path. No coach, therapist, doctor, or guru required. Just you learning to get real, present, and attentive with you. I feel like I'm here to matchmake your inner parts for the greatest love affair ever written. I want to help you learn first where you're buying eggs from the hardware store, which is the source of all pain. I want to help you master entering through the upset, which is the only spiritual practice you'll ever need and to get real comfortable putting on your villain crown, which is, in my opinion, the key to true power. And then you'll attune to your inner yes so you can live the life defined by the specific pleasure of who you are. I am so excited to announce my latest book called The Reclaimed Woman, which is available for pre-order now. So if you head to the link in show notes, you can learn more about bonuses, events, and companion offerings. And I cannot wait to see your gorgeous face on the path. I'm Dr. Kelly Brogan. You may know me as a New York Times bestselling author of a book with an exploding pill on the cover, renegade psychiatrist, pole dancer, or honorary member of the Disinformation Dozen. What can I say? I'm a born provocateur. I've spent most of my recent life exposing deceptions, connecting dots, and discovering the secret places my inner victim is still waiting to be liberated. And now I feel called to help you reclaim all of your parts, your health, your sexuality, your power, and your expression so that you can finally truly own yourself. I want to ignite in you that inner knowing and the pulsing vitality that lives beneath your disempowerment, disconnection, and resentment so that you can audaciously, courageously, and playfully alchemize your struggle into the specific pleasure of who you are. This is Reclamation Radio, a Soul Fire production. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reclamation Radio. I am Dr. Kelly Brogan, and I am here with my dear friend and guide, Amrlee, who is going to introduce all of you who have not learned about the power of family constellation to her particular perspective on it and to expand what you may already know about this game-changing modality. If you have listened to pretty much anything that I've said over the past like four years, you have heard me reference both parts work and or internal family systems and family constellation. And in so many ways, I see them as essentially, and I know you do too, I'm really like two different approaches to the same intention, which is to 
reclaim that which we are in resistance to and to come into an experience of wholeness that feels like ease in our own skin. And I'll share before we jump in that I know Amrly through our mutual angel, Daniela Garcia. And I remember when I did my first constellation, it was years ago at this point, I had not been in an active relationship with my mom for five years and was doing all sorts of inner work on my mother woundology and all sorts of different modalities and really intending to evolve a lot of the tension. I mean, that's like the euphemistic way to put it, right? But a lot of the pressure and a lot of the sense of righteousness that I was holding in my system. And I did a group constellation, which I'm going to attempt to explain what this means in a moment. And then I'm going to let you with you, Amrly. And I sat down spontaneously with my mom four days later, and our relationship has been harmonious ever since. So, I mean, if that's not proof of the kinds of dramatic shifts, and I have done infinite (laughs) constellations since one-on-ones and group sessions, and every single time there are material shifts in my lived experience that you cannot like otherwise explain that are quantum leaps. And when I, you know, I just referred a dear friend of mine to you last week, and I was trying to explain to him, like, what is this, right? And the closest that I can come to explaining what family constellation is, is that it is not necessarily a psychological modality. It's not necessarily a spiritual modality, but it is a demonstration of the power of intention, right? So you come to a one-on-one session with you or to a group experience. Sometimes these group experiences can be really big. In November, we are you know, putting on a live event that is going to be a big old experience of lots of women. So I know that that is possible. But what happens when you come together with the intention to organize right into proper hierarchy, into proper order, that which is fundamentally disordered in a family, in a relationship to a given concept, you know, an energy in somebody's life, then all of this information is revealed, right? Either through little dolls and figurines or through strangers who are representing, you know, your father or your mother or your brother or money or sex or partnership or all of these things you're trying to come into harmony with. And so it both exposes what is otherwise unseen and then gives an opportunity for you to create order, you know, from that space of disorder. And it's just, the most powerful experience. So I would love to start, Amarly, just with your best effort, you know, to explain what family constellation is. And I know you have, you know, we share such, whether it's German New Medicine, you know, we we share an approach to reality. And I know you have many, many different trainings that have informed your appreciation of family constellation. But I'd love to know, like, how do you these days explain like what, what it is that you're doing. Cause I just, you know, I took Danny's recommendation. I went into this experience with you and I wasn't informed and it didn't matter. In fact, it was maybe better. So I don't know what you think is important for people to know before they even introduce themselves to this field of work. Absolutely. And first, my dear Kelly, thank you. Thank you for having me today, sharing this space with you and your lovely community to share about the philosophy, it's more than a method or a therapy. 
is the philosophy that has profoundly changed my own life. And that really clicked me into many answers I, I was seeking for. So thank you so much for having me here to spread this. And certainly you have almost a master in constellation. Everything that you explain is, is just like that. It, it's a method, it's a philosophy that empower us to uncover and transform patterns from our past that often go unnoticed or even unseen, but significantly impact our present lives, what we carry, all the burden from the past, and how, how this is passed down. How is that we carry all this? We are, we are information. We are emotions. We are energy. And energy doesn't die. It passed down to us. So whatever was unresolved or not acknowledged or our ancestors didn't have the opportunity to manage their blocked emotions, their toxic dynamics, in a new intent or a new opportunity to reconcile and dignify that, it's passed down. So they're rooted in the traumas endured by previous generations and continue to impact our lives today. So family constellations provide a way to explore and heal these patterns, allowing, as you said, for consciousness, for a personal growth and more fulfilling life by taking our rightful place in our system. Because those disorders that you mentioned, the hierarchy, so the respect for the elders, because life was given to us as a gift and gifts cannot be demanded. So we have to take it as it was, exactly as it was. The hierarchy, the belonging, everyone belongs. So that's another premise. And the premise of balance between giving and taking and tell us that everything is compensated somehow by us, depending on what our ancestors couldn't accomplish. So it's, it's more than a method that healed you in one session or resolve all of your troubles, but it's a philosophy of living. And when you learn to live through it, you know, seeing yourself reflected in, in the things you judge or reject and learning how to acknowledge that, how that gives you information in everything that resonates with you or irritates you, it just really transforms your life because it teaches you that love is not enough. Love alone is not enough. It requires order. And those are the basic principles of the constellations. So I want to zoom in on a couple of the points that you brought up. And first, I want to just sort of paint a picture because this is sometimes how I explain it to people who are curious of how a group family constellation might look. And you correct me or add on, right? So you are somebody who feels frustrated with or in suffering around at, you know, sort of like the end of your rope with a pattern in your life, whether it's with money or romance or with somebody in your family of origin, there is something that you just keep seeing over and over and over again. And you haven't really been able to break out of this pattern, right? So you show up to a family constellation. Let's say there are 10 people there. This is a group one. And you can also do this one-on-one, but there's 10 people there and it's your turn to constellate, right? So in conversation with a guide and you are specifically gifted, in my opinion, because of your worldview, because of your own spiritual growth, 
and development. And because of the way that you can intuit and perceive with clarity, like what is going on. So, you know, I'm going to constantly, I'm going to speak to you for five minutes, seven minutes. I'm going to tell you my situation. And all the while you are in many ways channeling, right? I don't know if you would call it that, but that's what I see going on (laughs) when I'm with you, how this should be approached. So you might suggest that I choose three people, right? So let's say I want to work on issues, you know, with, with my mom, right? So I'm going to choose somebody who's going to represent my mom, my dad, and, you know, I have a brother, you know, maybe if I have a partner at the time, and there are two ways to do it, either blinded or unblinded, where either I know, okay, so you say, Kelly, go choose somebody to be your mom, or you just say, go choose four people. And I'm going to just walk up to the, they can be total strangers. And I I walk up, I just pick someone, right? Quote unquote, randomly. And I don't tell them anything. I don't tell them anything. So they know nothing about what they're doing. And I simply place their bodies as if it's a theater stage somewhere, wherever feels like it makes sense to me, even though I might not even know who they're representing. So I thought initially like, oh, you have to be really good at psychodrama, or you have to be somebody who's a channel and really knows how to, you know, move all of these esoteric energies. And it's just not true. You just get a little hit, you get a little inclination, you have a little opinion, a little preference, and you go with that. And there's something about the fields. There's something about the shared intention of all the people who are there that I can access more information in that setting than anywhere else in my life. It's really uncanny. So you place the bodies around. And then as the facilitator, right, Amelie, you're going to say, okay, like, how do you feel lady in the blue shirt? Right. And she might say, oh God, I just can't even look at that woman. She's so disgusting to me. And, you know, she's saying, oh, I have a stomach ache. And then we, you know, we learned later, you know, that she was like, you know, full of resentment for this other individual. And they're all of these energies that are exposed through the strangers who are channeling this information. And at the end, you proven this is always like an extremely moving experience. You put people, the folks in what you deem to be and what this philosophy deems to be the proper order and you offer healing statements. So I want to zoom in on this idea of hierarchy and order because you know, certainly many of the folks listening think of hierarchy as being the root of a lot of suffering, right? Like the root of control and domination and all of the ways that we are disempowered are through like hierarchical structures that persist into, you know, adulthood. And so what is healthy hierarchy, right? Like what is this idea of order and how does it interface with the concept of belonging? Because I know that that's a huge tenet of this philosophy is like you said, that everyone, everyone belongs. And when you're in rejection, right? So we'll talk more about that too. Something is out of order. It's out of its hierarchy. And there is a a lapse in belonging that results in, you know, these patterns that you could argue are symptoms of the system, right? Inviting us to look at how to bring it into harmony. So I'd love to know, yeah, a little bit about what you think about this concept of hierarchy and Tell us about the idea of order. Like what is a proper order when it comes to family constellation? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to now uh, put a pin in many things you said that are very important for the audience to understand the phenomenon. 
because it's a phenomenon. We are entangled. And in quantum physics, the whole is in the part as the part is in the whole. So I believe, and the German therapist that created the method, Bert Hellinger, he did many observations for many years, observing many different approaches, even how the Sulu tribes in Africa reconcile themselves. So the root is based on the integration of many healing therapies, primal screen, many, many of them. So it's believed that everything is connected. We all possess from our heart an energetic magnetic field that encompasses all. So yes, in a setting, in a constellation group, we all carry the information of the others. So that's the first premise. The client come with me, the seeker, and tell me a powerful statement. Let's say, I want to observe this. The shorter, the more powerful and the more strength. Because the mental construct, it doesn't give really information. The information is on in the field. As you said, by the emotions, sensations, the essential body movement of the representatives in the field. So yes, with that powerful statement of the seeker, the facilitator of support in placing elements or energies in the field, and we detect the disorder. The hierarchy specifically is when the client is not occupying their own rightful place. There's many disorders. Sometimes we tend to be consciously or unconsciously the parents of our parents, for example, symbolic partners of our parents, even the savior, the therapist, the psychologist of our parents, and even the siblings sometimes. And all those are even expectations that are put through us when we are in the womb. The constellation explores all those dynamics and they are shown in the field. So the facilitator just asking questions and let's say, asking the representative to, as you said, say into some healing statements or true statements, it could shift the energy. It could shift and reorder. And the client is not going to change the past, but a new energy shift that repositions the seeker into a new perspective, understanding the place they were and the new place they have to be to release, to be free. The hierarchy also suggests to honor life and the past exactly as it was. Honoring our elders is not about surrendering, but to life. That way, we can make our movement towards life and be, for example, real partner for our partner or even being real parent for our children. When we are entangled, in a position that does not belong to us in our nuclear family, that creates waste of energy and disorder. So love doesn't flow appropriately. Even though what moves the systems is unconditional love, is not enough. It requires that order. So we talk a lot about, and many of the sessions that I have done with you have revealed that there is sometimes a person, sometimes it's an idea, sometimes, I mean, recently it was even, you know, I talked about this on another podcast episode, like dietary, right? So foods, right? So this idea of exclusions, 
And, you know, if we're going to talk about this order, this natural hierarchy that emerges from the honoring of life given and the acceptance of all that actually happened, right? If it happened, it happened, right? So how to come into acceptance of that as some of the important ingredients of belonging and allowing all to belong, then this idea of exclusion, I'd love you to elaborate on because both that and this idea of loyalty to certain members of our family, grandparents, uncles, and how those two phenomena can result in, as you say, like disorder or struggle or patterns that seem unresolvable. Yes, it's important to consider and honoring the belonging, the first order of love, because it involves the understanding that each member deserves acknowledgement regardless of what they did or what they didn't do in our judgment. Because what happened with that, we reject or we judge, it repeats again. It manifests again in another form. We reject our parents. We will find probably a partner that contains all those dynamics and patterns that we reject. And we're not even allowed to seeing ourselves because sometimes what we reject is a shadow that's the beautiful of the ego that sometimes shows you know it serves its purpose and even deserves gratitude for because whatever we reject from the past it comes again until we resolve it what we reject could even be emotions that were harmful or hurtful for us a sadness and anger that we didn't, you know, allow ourselves or wasn't permitted to us to feel or to our ancestors. Usually we carry the blocked emotions mostly from grandparents, I will say in my observations. From our parents, we carry the dynamics of partnership, abundance, success, projects. From our grandparents, we carry the energy of the emotions, the blocked emotions what they didn't allow themselves to feel or to drain or to show, we carry in a second intent for that to be managed differently. And from our great-grandparents, beliefs, mandates, injunctions, what is right, what is wrong, religion, the judgment in things that are right or wrong, we carry it from that. So mandates, injunctions come from far back. And we are sometimes the one in charge to reclaim, to acknowledge, to reconcile, to dignify what they pass through. So the healing sentences that are meant to do that in the field are, you know, demonstrated. They're demonstrated to shift the DNA by 98%. Because the core of our DNA is even made out of words. So those words said without intention, without emotion, because you, you mentioned also about the drama, the psychodrama, which is a very valuable therapy that I also practiced sometimes. It's not what constellation is. Constellations is a profound soul movement. The psychotherapy remains in the mental level, in the construct mental level. The constellations goes beyond. It's at a soul level. It's an energetic level. So sometimes the facilitator just wait until the reconciliation happen itself. 
And maybe you have an example, because I want to ask you for some cases and examples as we go along, but maybe you have an example of how a loyalty could manifest, especially a loyalty to potentially excluded, you know, grandfather or something like that. Because I, I think the concept of these loyalties, especially as you described in the generations, is really new, you know, to to a lot of us, especially those of us who, you know, don't really even feel connected to our family lines, let alone in some sort of, you know, sort of subconscious allegiance to their plight, right? So I don't know if you have an example so people of can course. perceive that's what that would a, look that's like. a great question because the, the person that haven't been able to experience it is asking how this is, you know, is a great question. And, and the compensation is that, is the restore of the balance, the equilibrium. We compensate by repeating or even in the other polarity. For example, addictions, people that is addicted, there's an entanglement with a rejected man, usually one ancestor man that is rejected by the woman and the descendant to restore the equilibrium drinks or do drugs or get addicted to something to destroy themselves and say, I am as despicable as that man. For example, that's a compensation. That's a way to compensate. Many cases that I have attended lately about fertility, women seeking to bear children and they haven't been able without explanation, without medical diagnosis, they just can't. And we review a little bit the ancestral trauma and we see that grandmother that had 10 children and she was abandoned, for example. And she was abandoned and the descendant in their soul says, I am like you. Oh, I'm not going to be like you. So I don't bear children. So it's the repetition or the polarity. And that repairing is even manifested in the careers we choose. The careers we choose, the purpose we choose in life, it goes oriented to repair and compensate those imbalances back there. For example, many, many more things that in partnerships that we encounter, dynamics that we encounter are lived in the past by our ancestors. Let's say um, difficulties in children. Many children that have diagnosed of concentration disorders, HDHP, all that that I observed in the field correspond to an excluded, a secret, something that was not acknowledged or rejected, abortions. So that the child show us there are the service of the family system and they show us what the family haven't been able to see or acknowledge from the past. So it developed a illness, let's say, is to call the attention of the family system in order to reconcile that exclusion. And that's such an important aspect of this life perspective, which is that children are here to serve, right? The awareness of their parents, certainly, and maybe even the rest of the system. And even in psychiatry, it's called the identified patient, right? So one of the kids acts out, even though the whole family is dysfunctional and that kid gets labeled and that kid gets treated when it's actually everybody in the system and chiefly the parents who are the ones who are unwell, right? So how can we look at the struggles that children are having as an opportunity for the parents to generate greater awareness around their own incomplete, you know, self-authority and self-possession and 
I mean, that, uh, that alone flips so much of what we understand about the individualism of our human experiences on its head, right? If a child's role is to basically, and you know, we just worked on this with my daughter, you know, for me to really see like, wow, what she's, you know, what she's going through is actually in service of my awareness. And I wouldn't otherwise have this opportunity. It's very profound. I would love for you to talk a bit about abortions and miscarriages and sibling order and, you know, death in siblings, because I've actually, I'm one of the only women I know who's not experienced pregnancy termination. And I don't think that I had any sort of framework within which to appreciate the spiritual gravity, if you will, before learning about, you know, family constellation and the specific information that is held by, you know, terminated pregnancies and miscarriages and seeing in these systems, in these ordered hierarchies, that these pregnancies are actual, you know, forces, right? They're entities that belong and need to be placed in belonging. So I've watched girlfriends because of this work with you, you know, hang pictures on their walls or, you know, get little, you know, amulets or so, you know, something to signify or honor, you know, a termination or a miscarriage and to really welcome that soul into the constellated system of the family. So it's not to say like, oh, wow, if this happened to you, you know, like you're screwed forever. It's more just that it's this very, almost like neutral concept, like there's order and belonging, (laughs) you know, here's how you make sense out of it. So how does it work with terminations and miscarriages and, and what is the impact on the subsequent children who are born after these kinds of pregnancy related experiences? Yeah, in in fertility, there's many aspects and dynamics. What I have observed is that the dynamic of each is different. An abortion, a termination, obeys to when the soul, that little fetus, decided to give its life to serve the excluded, even the perpetrators. In every family, there's perpetrators. Even if they don't have the same blood, They belong just by, they came as perpetrators to her to restore some balance. And they- I want to pause you there, Amelie, because this is a big concept for a lot of people, right? So you're saying that somebody comes in, a neighbor, a teacher, a priest, and molests a child. You're saying that that person actually belongs in that family system, right? Yeah. Yeah. Belongs. It came, and then, and it's hard sometimes to acknowledge, but it came, if you see it from the whole, to restore some lost balance that was before. And the fetus that is terminated or aborted, and I have to say, an abortion is not judged by good or bad, not at all. It's just the destiny of a soul. It's just destiny. But to heal it is important because some part of the mother wants to go with it the guilt, the blame. I, I have observed it in, my, in the movements because the, the feel is what gives you the observation and the, and the dynamic. But I have observed that the mother, when the aborted child appears, the mother wants to somehow go with it in guilt and blame. So to heal that, as you said, give it a name, acknowledge and saying, thank you for giving your life for us to keep a little bit longer here. That was your destiny. I honor it. I acknowledge it. Thank you. 
that shifts the new energy that makes that fetus to belong, to felt care about, because it gave it life in, at the service of the system. That with the termination. With the abortions, the spontaneous miscarriages, the dynamic is different. They die for their parents. They decided to go for their parents. That's what I've seen. They go in total peace and grateful and fulfilling a purpose and a mission. In all cases, the mother just needs to heal that, to incorporate and honor the abortions. With the IVF, that is another part of fertility, is totally different. It's Again, I'm not going to say it's good or bad, but there's many things that needs to be acknowledged and honored and appreciate that because there's many lives that get lost in order that for one to make it, you know. So there's many behavior things that I've seen in childs that are born through IVF just because they're entangled with their sibling embryos that are still frozen. Or sometimes they just feel like they don't have a life or they don't have the energy and that push towards life because they're entangled with the sperms that are frozen, for example. So something in them is frozen. So there's many things to honor around that. So fertility is a big, big, big feel in what the constellation is, is all about. But it, it makes miracles when the, when the soul is ready. No long ago, I had a case of a woman trying to conceive with no diagnose. Because if there's a diagnose, the approach is different because that diagnose needs to be acknowledged in the past. But sometimes in the womb, the moment the client, the seeker was in the womb of her mother, some traumas arise and happened that that client, I told her what happened with your mom and your dad, because I was seen in the meaningful project. I call it meaningful project. The moment that the woman is pregnant with the client, that determines a lot of their life dynamics and patterns, whatever they absorb in the womb. So I was seeing something reflecting in her meaningful project. And I said, what happened with your mother when she was pregnant with you? And she said, my dad hit her all the time, very hard. So of course, what she absorbed is that the children is in danger. When the children is in danger, your own biology protects you from bearing a children. So she got pregnant twice. And when she got in um, the third, fourth month, when she had that trauma, unconscious trauma of the father hitting the mother, the miscarriage came because the child perceived the danger. Her brain was passing down the danger of that moment. So it's, it's sometimes even the approach is to put in that moment and leave whatever belongs to the parents with the parents and decide to do it differently. It's a profound work in that case. And that is something that has come up many times that I've seen in this work is to simultaneously like accept and invite people into the system, but also to say like, right, what's yours is yours. Yes, yes. And one of the most powerful healing sentences is, I am myself. You are yourself and I am myself. Today, I see you, I honor your destiny, and I decide to see my own life, to do it differently. And sometimes I can observe when the soul moves towards life. And that's a very, very important moment. 
But there's what I call the clarification sentences that show you the entanglement. So sometimes I encourage the seeker to say, I am you. You seeing that I am you, I'll do it for you. It unveils a new energy that make the ancestors rest in peace. Everything is paid now. There's nothing less. Everything is over. And now she can face her own life. You know, the seeker can acknowledge and set herself free from the past. You spoke about this provocative concept that we have experiences of abuse, of injury, of suffering as a part of our destiny and as a part of our systems need for further recalibration, right? So the idea that we are both, right, this individual, and yet we are part of the system is a nice idea until you come into active conflict or enduring trauma around one of these individuals, right? So everyone, you know, listening knows that one of my great passions in this life is to explore victim consciousness and to engage the humbling path of transforming that into the experience of sovereignty, which perhaps by definition is non-oppositional in nature, right? It does not declare its I am as an I am not you, right? Like in the end, right? Even though there is this phase we move through where you reject, you say like, I hate that this happened. I hate that, you know, this is reality. And then there's a place you can get to where this, this balance comes forth. So the idea of perpetrators and victims is something that's come up over and over again in these constellations. And one of the biggest takeaways is for me has been what you just said, which is to see ourselves as the experienced victim, to see ourselves in the perpetrator, right? So I'll share a personal example from, you know, a recent one-on-one that I did with you, where I've been working on integrating my rejection of many things, right? Whether it's, you know, certain foods, whether it's money, (laughs) even the concept of marriage, and specifically the rejection that I've had as an activist for many, many years around in the pharmaceutical industry and its many offerings. And so, you know, you had me stand on a piece of paper as somebody who is quite certain, right, that what industry is up to in collusion with many other forces and many, quote unquote, asleep people who are you know, identified with the aggressor that I I think they just don't get it. Right. But I get it and they don't get it. Right. Or maybe they do get it and they're, they're nefarious. Right. Or they have like evil intent or they're sadists and all this stuff. Right. So I've projected all of this onto them, right. the capital T. So you had me stand on this piece of paper and just really feel my own certainty, right. Like feel myself around this issue and then move to this other paper where, you know, the, the aggressor, so to speak, was you know inhabiting that space. And the moment that I stood on my own paper, I had, and I've been doing this work for like, you know, various forms of this work for like over a decade, right? And so this was like a couple of weeks ago. And you know, I stood on the paper and just began like hysterically crying and feeling the rage and the grief that most 
activists can relate to, right? It's so intense. It's like the only rational response to all of the pain, you know, that has been inflicted, all of the violation, right? All of the oppression, all of it. And what came out of me, right? I don't remember exactly, but it was something like, I fucking hate you. I'll fucking kill you. Right. So it's like, it's that murderous. That's murderous, right? That's murderous rage. And then I go to this other paper where the murderers live. (laughs) It's like, it was not funny at the time. And, you know, I start to feel first, you know, a whole lot of nothing. And then as I go back and forth between the papers, the difference between the papers and my, my position on them began to diminish. Right. And so that was like an embodied experience of, I see myself in you. Power. Right. And that has, that simple sentence has served me so immensely because every time I feel victimized, right? Every time I feel attacked, put upon, misunderstood, mischaracterized, oppressed, violated, betrayed, all the abandoned, all the things, like, how can that be one of my first responses, knowing what it actually feels like to do this work? Because a lot of family constellation is embodied, I'd say probably all of it, right? It's embodied work. You're using your body to rewrite your story and put it back in, in order. So, and I just, like, I always sort of see your face because you bring such a non-judgmental energy, even though I know you and I agree on so many things, right? Like I know that we share perspectives on holistic living, et cetera, but the, the way that you interact with these perpetrators if you will, whether it's somebody who is a child abuser or, you know, whatever it was, is from this deep neutrality, right? Like this deep sense of like, yeah, it it happened and it makes sense. And this is kind of how it is. And how do we work with this so that you can get to a place where you feel like back in your heart again? And and like everything is actually the way it's meant to be. And not just as like a trite saying, right? Like really feel that, that polarity begin to come into harmony. So yeah, I would love for you to speak a little bit about abuse and the way that abuse and illness, you know, this, this sort of victim triangle, these victim triangle spaces show themselves through constellation and how it can be the resolution to really like see yourself in that, which you are fighting, right. As other. It's beautiful. Only those who recognize that they have harm can heal. As simple as that. So I always even encourage a deep reflection processes to see yourself reflected in the things you judge or you reject in your shadow. And for that, our ego, it's our alley because it shows us our own provisions, even provisions. So yes, we're all kind of perpetrators in different areas of life. We all have harm, and we're not the judges to decide the harm we've made. It's bigger than the harm the other did. So there is the key to reconciliation. I am also a human being, just like you. And the real reconciliation is not when one wins, but when there's merge of polarities. That's the real peace. No one's win, but the the real reconciliation between victims and perpetrators, understanding that each has a place. And the struggle and the fight against 
those who have harmed us, it put us in the know. And your audience and, and everyone, everybody can practice this exercise. Sometimes say no, say no, go against something or someone and see how your body contracts and energy doesn't flow. That even violates the fourth order of love, which is saying yes to life, acknowledging life, surrendering to life. When you are in the yes and try saying yes, yes to everything as it is, yes to everything as it was, it expands you, it empowers you, and it transforms. So learning how to identify when you are in that yes and when you are in that no makes you get out of the victim. Because the victim, you know it, you teach it, it doesn't heal. But there's a lot of information and transformative knowledge that we can gain by identifying the shadows in that that we reject, in that that make us feel as a victim. We are also perpetrators. And the other, it, it has cost to others the same way that it costs to myself. So everyone serves a purpose. That is mostly the dynamic. Of course, I have clients and seekers that come with, with traumas and about parents, or molestation, narcissistic parents. And what I observe is that children in their infinity and pure love, they keep themselves to reconcile whatever was happening in between their parents. And I have to say that constellations are not oriented to restore a relationship. Many times we need to work in boundaries and even set distance in the relationship. What it needs to be healed is the link, the bond. Because life was given to you through those two lives that merge. When you reject them or reject one of them, you're rejecting yourself. It's a way to reject yourself. So the only way to reclaim your power is to acknowledge and take in life. Acknowledging life from who was given to you. And when clients understand that, they recover their power. Sometimes they put boundaries and limitations toward that relationship. And sometimes it heals. But the orientation of the constellation is to, to seek to heal the bond, the link, that the client can recover the power from acknowledging life, even when they had, you know, toxic dynamics with their parents or abusive parents. That happens a lot. And still it can be done through healing the masculine or healing the feminine. Sometimes I have to work with Mother Earth as an archetype to heal the figure of mother, the son, to heal the father. And it takes some different approaches depending on the trauma that the client has passed through. But it's possible. That's such an important nuance, right? Because obviously I opened up with this, this story of a restoration and you are offering a distinction between the honoring of the bond that is there. Your mother's your mother, your father's your father, and that is and always will be, right? So the, the honoring of the bond that is there is not synonymous with having an active ongoing relationship. And, and as you're saying, that's not even really the goal. So how does it look in your opinion for a boundary to not be from an energy of rejection or 
projection of one's own malevolence, you know, when that is what is right for the system, how does it look? Mm. You have to remain the child in your nuclear system. I put you as a child there. You're not the adult. You're not responsible there. You were given. And you take, when you belong there as a child in your nuclear family, that way you can become an adult for your new system, for your new relationship, to be available for a partner, for your own children. If you're not the child there, you're going to come to your new system as that needed child. You're going to relate from that wound. From that wound, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. That weren't the expectations that weren't fulfilled for you. So if you go there and you said, I am the child, I leave you with your responsibility. It's not mine to carry. Now I can go to my partner and I can see it as the woman I want to be. I want to become free from that. And of course, it's a process, but that's the mostly the, the movement and, and a big scale. But it's, it's different in each, depending on what I observe in the field. Just being the small one and seeing your parents as the big. And you can see it in the issues the client brings to the session. If it's about projects or work or moving to another country or seeking many things related with work, with projects, it's, it's related with the energy of masculine, the father, partnerships money, abundance in general, mother. So we are a marriage of 50 and 50% those two energies. And when we don't acknowledge them, we're going to start finding blocks in different aspects of our life, even illness. Illness is a manifestation that invites us to adapt to a situation that our soul is not seen from the past. It's a special program of adaptation. That's what I observe. And the illness grows when you don't see it, when you don't appreciate it. So I would love to leave people with some of the healing statements because I think that you mentioned a few. I think that this combination of very, very personal, like deeply intimate material and also the universal Right. So the, the statements that you offer when we are in the field are obviously very specific to our given dilemmas. Right. And they are the kinds of sentiments that we all need to hear. Right. And we all need to remind ourselves. And this idea, right. Because especially when we talk about individuation and what it is to resolve a lot of our childhood traumas and come into our adult selves, we lose this idea that to our parents, we are always a child right? And that that actually is the proper orientation resolving, as you said, our dynamic, our parentified child dynamics or our loyalty, romantic loyalties to our parents or sibling loyalties to our parents or caretaker loyalties, right? And to restore that proper placement. I mean, who cannot relate to that? Right? Like this is like, this is, is something that we've all experienced in, I imagine, I mean, maybe not everyone, but it seems like everyone I know experienced in, in some way, shape or form and bringing the consciousness of the disordered family of origin into our primary romantic partnerships, into our parenting, into our you know new systems is, yeah, it causes a lot of tension. So what are, are some of the phrases and statements 
that you offer to people once the constellation is organized. And in case that's not clear, like what that actually means is that, you know, Amrly will literally help move the bodies of the people who are representing, let's say the parents and the child, put the partner in the correct place, you know, put the children in the correct place because there is such a concept in family constellation. And then these statements are offered. And it's also important, right? To be facing the future, right? Literally to be facing the future versus the past. So your body is oriented, not in the direction of what was because you've had this experience of acknowledging it and allowing it, you know, to penetrate, you know, really your, your reality. So, yeah, I wonder if you could share a couple of those that you feel are helpful. I always recommend to participants to place their parents right behind their shoulders at a distance that is safe and comfortable. Some of them, they prefer them further. Some of them prefer them closer. Your father behind your right shoulder, your mother behind your left shoulder. And feel how your body reacts to it. Allow yourself to feel whatever it arises and acknowledge it, the emotion. You can even, if you don't feel strong enough, if you're feeling charged or depleted or pushed back, you can even add your grandparents, each of your parents' parents right behind them. So your four grandparents. And you can notice how your body will start probably feeling different. You gain more strength because your grandparents have also a role there being the parents of your parents. So you can get out of that. You can even add as many generations as you desire, as you need, and feel like that triangle. You're in the tip and all that back. Your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents. And then you probably decide and wish to turn a little bit back and look at your parents, at your ancestors as a child and open the heart wide and say, I see you. You all belong. I take life from you in its fullest. And I'll do something great with it. Something great. I will preserve my life and take care of it to honor you all. And then in front of you, you see life in an image, in an object, in a color, an energy, whatever gives you pleasure and content. And you allow yourself to make a step towards it. You are seeing them as a child and with each step to grow a little bit more and a little bit more. With each step, you feel lighter and lighter and lighter until you're able to embrace and hug life, your life, free. That is a very powerful exercise that I give you all to practice as many times as you need. In an energetic level, it will shift the energy of whatever you've been carrying into something new. I love this. It's the anthem you know, of this entire podcast, which is you know, the reclamation process that is required to actually and finally choose life. So I'm so endlessly, you know, I'm so, I could cry talking about it. So grateful to you, woman. 
And I'm really excited to share you on this stage and in future stages, your site will be in the show notes and so much actually of what you offer is also in Spanish. And we're just all blessed, you know, that you are here as an ambassador of this just beautifully inspirational and life-giving work. Thank you. Thank you for being an instrument and your trust, your love. I am forever grateful to you and your audience. Thank you for having me, my dear Kelly. Looking forward for many more experiences together to put our two cents 